Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. All right, and again, thank you for being here. You're an encouragement every time you walk through these doors, and when you walk through these doors, I desire to be an encouragement to you. Joshua 22, avoiding misunderstandings. Misunderstandings happen, and it can be bad. And we need to look at that tonight because we can help you. And I I was thinking while we're sitting here, you know, you could be doing a lot of different things tonight on Wednesday night. It would have been easy to stay at home. As we get into winter, it's going to even be easier to stay at home. But I want it to be worth your while to be here. And with the Bible, some nights we're going to be deep in theology, and other nights it's going to be very practical, because that's the Bible. Sometimes it's deep in theology, sometimes it's very practical. Tonight it's very practical. Talking about avoiding misunderstandings. Let's start with a couple of quotes that will kind of set the stage. One quote says this, In the whole round of human affairs, little is so fatal to peace as misunderstanding. And this second quote, A single moment of misunderstanding is so poisonous that it makes us forget the hundred lovable moments spent together in a single moment. Have you ever had a misunderstanding between you and your spouse or your children or people at work or or people here at church? I asked Sharon in preparation for this message, I said, I know we've had lots of misunderstandings. I said, but I can't think of any. And she said, oh, I can think of one. (laughs) And I said, okay. And she said, remember the time you and I were watching TV. And I asked you a question. Well, right there. Asking me a question while I'm watching TV, that's problematic to begin with. But she asked me a question, okay. And I heard the question and I responded by doing this. That ain't the half of it. I thought we were good. Till the commercial came. And I look over there and she's looking at me. And it wasn't pretty. I said, what? She said, that is the equivalent of saying shut up. I said, Sharon. She said, that is the equivalent. She said, I am a offended by that. I said, Sharon, what did you ask me? And she said, how many something? And the answer was one. (laughs) She laughed. I've never seen her turn so quick. We, we both laughed. She said, I thought you were telling me to shut up. And I said, no, you asked the answer. I don't, we don't, she doesn't even remember what the question was. I don't either. But she, the answer was one. So I'm watching TV. She asked me a question. One. I'm thinking we're good. A miss. Do what? Oh, yeah, look at Bill pointing. Not me. Not you. That Do what? Yeah. Oh, 
misunderstandings. This next quote. Misunderstandings is one of the main reasons of disruption in relationships. Think about it. It it can be. It can be one of the main reasons for disruptions in relationships. Be it between spouses, partners, friends, at a workplace, or in the market. However, if you understand what misunderstandings actually is and how it arises, you can learn to avoid it. I ran across an article that I thought was interesting in preparation for this, and we're going to be getting to Scripture in just a second. We're going to spend most of our time in Scripture. But I ran across an article that asked the question, why do, why do misunderstandings happen? And then it says this, misunderstandings can occur when you, and it lists these things. Misunderstandings can occur when you interpret the words wrongly in contrast to what the other person really conveys. Somebody can, you, can tell you something or you can hear that somebody said something about you and they meant one thing, but for whatever reason, you interpret it differently. That can happen all the time. That can create real problems. Or next, fail to understand something correctly because it was not conveyed in the right way. Or you didn't receive it in the way that it was conveyed. You know, maybe somebody shared something with you. So-and-so said this. And you go, what? You know, and, and they convey what they say in the wrong way. Or, next, misunderstandings occur when you are not in the same state of mind or mood as that of the one conveying the thoughts. You know, somebody... You, Somebody can say something and you, you just get angry. You know, they say, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be ugly. I, I was joking. Well, you know, maybe you're tired, had a bad day or whatever. Again, it, it's a misunderstanding. Our misunderstandings uh, occur when you already have different set notions in your mind that force you to make biased interpretation of information. I mean, you think somebody already doesn't like you and somebody conveys to you something they said and what they said was not how you interpreted it because of your mindset already or your preconceived notions. Misunderstandings can occur when you apply past behavior and experiences, use that as a reference, and conclude your opinion on that basis even if that isn't the case. Well, I thought that's what you meant because it's what you've always meant in the past and I didn't know that you had changed. So that's the way I took it and I took it wrong and they're trying to convince you what you you shouldn't have taken it that way. Misunderstandings can occur when you are under the influence of other people, thoughts, or events. Uh, These can change your perception and you fail to see the clear or correct picture. Maybe somebody is influencing you to not interpret it properly. Somebody's influence. Well, I I know what they meant by that. They they were being ugly. You think they were being ugly? Oh, sure, they were being ugly. And you're letting someone else influence you. And that could be a complete misunderstanding. Or mistrust the other person. Have feelings of envy or lack self-confidence and and self-esteem. You know, I mean, we're complex individuals. And there are people that lack self-confidence and self-esteem. And they just think everybody's picking on them. Everybody's putting them down. And maybe that wasn't the case at all. And thus it was indeed a misunderstanding. Or it occurs when you incorrectly assess people and situations. 
or don't get your preconceived expected response, which upsets you. Well, I asked them about this, and you said they said, what? Well, that's not what I expected from them. And, you know, then you have this misunderstanding. Start assuming the negative reasons when there's a delay in response from the other person. Well, I haven't heard from that person in days. This is going to be bad. <laughs> you know, I expected an answer last Tuesday, and here it is Wednesday, and I haven't got an answer. And, you know, maybe there's a reason they haven't. Well, what I didn't tell you was I've been sick and I wasn't able to get back with you. Well, there's a misunderstanding. Or, lastly, don't clearly understand the context of the matter. Again, there can be lots of reasons why misunderstandings occur. Thus, misunderstandings occur. Such was the case in Joshua chapter 22. When a misunderstanding almost literally led to war. But because people handled it correctly, which is our lesson tonight, how to handle it, war was averted and they ended up having a, in fact, greater appreciation for one another. Let's look at the story. Joshua chapter 22, verse number 1. Here's the setting. Then Joshua called the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, this is two and a half of the tribes, and said unto them, Ye have kept all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, and have obeyed my voice and all that I commanded you. You have not left your brethren these many days unto this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. Okay, verse number four. We're going to explain what he's talking about here. And now the Lord your God hath given rest unto your brethren, as he promised them. Therefore now return ye, and get you into your tents, and unto the land of your possession, which Moses the servant of the Lord gave you on the other side of Jordan. Well, we have a map for you this evening to, see, to illustrate what we're talking about, and I hope that you can see it. The blue to the upper side there, that's the Mediterranean Sea. And then down towards the middle center, you have the Dead Sea, and you see a black line going up the middle. Uh, that's, that's the Jordan River uh, going up to the Sea of Galilee. Okay? On the right side of that line, you see two and a half tribes. They want their land. All the other tribes cross the River Jordan into the Promised Land. But these two and a half tribes, well, what happens there? When Israel crossed over the Jordan River, they had been camped on the east side of the river. And so they went over, the tribes, to the west side of the river to conquer the land. Two and a half of those tribes, though, wanted to stay back on the east side. They wanted to go back on the east side because the land was conducive to cattle. And that was their main means of living. So they had made a deal with Moses. Let us live on the east side. But listen, we won't slough off. We'll go with the other tribes on the west side. We will help you conquer that land. But then we want to come back to the east side because that suits us. You read about that in Numbers chapter 32. This is before all of this. This is early on. This is back when Moses was still alive. Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, then behold, the place was the place for cattle. Now that's on the east side of Jordan. 
The children of Gad, the children of Reuben, came and spake unto Moses and Eleazar the priest and unto the princes of the congregation, saying, verse number 3, Adaroth and Dibon and Jazer and Nimrah and Heshman and uh, Elilah and Sheban and Nebon and Beon, even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle, and thy servants have cattle. Wherefore, said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for possession, and bring us not over Jordan. Verse number 16. And they came near unto him and said, We will build sheepfolds here for our cattle and cities for our little ones. But we ourselves will go ready armed before the children of Israel until we have brought them unto their place. And our little ones shall dwell in the fenced cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return unto our houses until the children of Israel have inherited every man his inheritance. So what they said was, look, the the map's gone, but that's okay. We're on the east side. They're all stationed there before they move over. And while they're stationed there, these two and a half tribes said, you know, this land right here is what we really need with our cattle. So they approached Moses before they crossed the River Jordan. Of course, Moses never does. But they said, when that time comes, look, we will go with you. We, We will send our men to help you conquer, you know, they had to conquer land on the land of Canaan. And we will send men over. And then when it's all done, can we come back and can we possess this land? And Moses said, okay, that works. So the first four verses that we read, that's Joshua saying, okay, you have been obedient. You have kept your word. You have fought with your brothers. You've helped conquer the land. Yes, now you can go back to your land. So they were true to their word, and Joshua commends them, and he sends them back. And that's where it gets interesting. Joshua 22, verse number 10. And when they came unto the borders of Jordan, they're going back across Jordan to the east side, that are in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben, and the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, built there an altar by Jordan. A great altar for all to see. So they've got their weapons. They've done the job. Joshua says, good job, well done. You guys can go back. They're high-fiving each other. And they're starting back and across back over Jordan. And on their way back, they say, you know what? We're going to build an altar. Let's build an altar. And they, they stopped. They said, yeah, that, that is a good idea. And, and it says, a great altar for all to see. Now we got a problem. You say, what what possible problem could there be? Well, verse number 11. And the children of Israel heard say, Behold, now these are the ones on the west side. Behold, the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh have built an altar over against the land of Canaan in the borders of Jordan at the passage of the children of Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, the whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered themselves together at Shiloh to go up to war against them. So these men that had fought alongside their brothers had been given an honorable discharge to go back to the land that Moses had promised them. 
On the way back, they build an altar. In my mind, I see somebody going back to the other tribes and saying, Guess what, guys? You know, our brother's going back. They built an altar. They did what? They built, they built an altar, a big altar. And you can see it from a half mile away. You know, my, just my imagination running there. And what do they build an altar for? We already have an altar. The altar's at Shiloh. What are they up to? Again, ad-libbing based on what we know. You know what? I know what they're doing. They've been influenced by these other tribes. They're doing one of two things, and both of them are bad. One, they're, they're putting up their own altar, which is already established at Shiloh, which they're not supposed to do, or they're going to use it to, to uh, worship false gods. That's, that's what they're going to do. I know that's what they're going to do. You really think so? Yeah, that's what they're going to do. And everybody getting riled. No, they're not. They can't do that. Because God's going to judge us all. In fact, they, they, when they meet with them, they tell them that, listen, look what happened with Achan and Ai. Achan sinned, but we all paid the price. You guys are sinning, but we're all going to pay the price. We're all connected. We're all God's people. This is trouble. Grab your armor, man. Grab your swords. They're getting all riled up. Well, then we come to verse number 16. We're going to skip down real quick, and this will explain it, why they're upset. Then saith the whole congregation of the Lord, What trespass is this, this that ye have committed against the God of Israel, to turn away this day from following the Lord, that ye have built an altar, that ye might rebel this day against the Lord? That's what they concluded. They're rebelling. So how are they going to handle this? Because now we've got the potential for civil war here. These guys that had fought together, because of this altar and what they thought it represented gave the potential for civil war. How did they handle it? Did they go to war? Well, verse number 13. And the children of Israel sent unto the children of Reuben and to the children of Gad and to the half-tribe of Manasseh. These are the ones that built that altar. And to the land of Gilead, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, So they're sending Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest, and with him ten princes of each chief house, a prince throughout all the tribe of Israel, and each one was at head of the house of their fathers among the thousands of Israel. So they decide, I tell you what, we're going to send Phinehas, and we're going to send a representative from each tribe. We're going to go have a talk with them. We're going to go see what's up. So in verse number 15, And they came unto the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh and to the land of Gilead. And they spake with them, saying, Thus saith, and we just read this, the whole congregation of the Lord, What trespass is this? And what are you guys doing? What do you think you're doing, Bill? We've got an altar already. This can only mean one of two things, and both of them are bad. What trespass is this that ye have committed against the God of Israel to turn away this day from following the Lord, and that ye have builded you an altar that ye might rebel this day against the Lord? Huh? What do you got to say about that? This is a real problem. Verse number 26, we skip down a little bit. This is their explanation. Therefore we said, let us now prepare to build us an altar. They're explaining themselves. Not for burnt offerings. Not for sacrifice. But that it might be a witness between us and you. And our generations after us. 
that we might do the service of the Lord before him with our burnt offerings and with our sacrifices and with our peace offerings, that your children may not say to our children in time to come, ye have no part in the Lord. What they're saying is, fellas, we build, this is for unity. This is to show our children that we're together. We make the same sacrifices to the Lord. We worship the same God. If I'd have been Phineas standing there, I'd have gone, oh, (laughs) oh, I didn't didn't know that. What did he say? Verse 30. And when Phineas the priest and the princes of the congregation and heads of the thousands of Israel which were with him heard the words that the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the children of Manasseh spake, it pleased them. I could see in this heated moment, what are you guys doing? What do you mean building this altar? It's going to get us all in trouble. We're going to all be in hot water. I left that part out. We didn't have time to read that, but that's what they were talking about, Achan, and you know how he brought God's judgment on him, how one man created problems for everybody. They lost, lost the battle. And here there is. They come in there, and they're riled up, and they're ready to go to war. You know, look back there. You know, our guys are ready to come. And they explain, no, you got it all wrong. This is a misunderstanding. This is to represent unity between our tribes. And again, I can see Phineas going, Oh, uh, <clears throat> never mind. <laughs> see you. We're out of here. And I, I started to leave out verse number 34, but there is something absolutely hilarious in verse 34. And I don't know if it'll strike you as being funny, but I think it's one of the funniest things in the Bible. I don't think it's intended to be funny, and forgive me, Lord, but I I think the Lord understands why I see it as funny. Verse number 34, read it behind me. And the children of Reuben and the children of Gad called the altar Ed, for it shall be a witness between us that the Lord is God. They could have called the altar El Shamim, Mabub, Mabib, you know, some beautiful Hebraic name. What do they call it? I can see the guys, they finished the altar and said, isn't it beautiful? Yeah, it's great. Boy, we did a good job. Are you going to be able to see that thing forever? What do, you, what do you guys think we ought to call it? You know, and they come up with El Shamim or whatever. All these, and then somebody says, Ed. They said, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with Ed. Is that what it says? I mean, that's not a misprint. That's, you know. Now, it means, there is a Hebraic mean, a name. It means, signifies this. It's a witness or it's a testimony. But from a guy that lives in 2018 in America, I just find the whole idea that this name is Ed is just hilarious. You know, I, I, I read where they completely, this is true. They, they built this big, beautiful suspension bridge over this canyon in, uh, in Colorado. And they had a contest in the state there to, to name it. And, you know, there was all kind of like, you know, the Sunset Bridge or the... Grand, uh, you know, the Canyon Bridge or the Rocky Mountain Bridge. And you know, you know what name they ended up with for that bridge? No, no it wasn't it. Bruce. Bruce. <laughs> and you'll take credit for it. Huh? Did you know you had a bridge named after you in, in Colorado? Anyway, I had to put that up there. Ed, that just kills me. I read it and said, Ed? That's the best they can come up with? Ed? But anyway, it, it, it means 
different than what we would associate with it. It was, it was all, it was all a misunderstanding. That misunderstanding could have led to serious conflict, even war. They were prepared to do that. So this chapter, this story, is a reminder to us that we're human, and misunderstandings can happen, and they, they do happen. They can happen between husband and wife. It can happen between parents and children. It can happen between folks here at church. And if you think about it, some of our most difficult situations, in the end, we can find out that it was a misunderstanding. So what are the lessons here? What's, you know, it, it's a story, but it's a story that is meant to edify us, make us better Christians, not just the sake of knowing the story so you can get the answers right in Bible trivia. It, no, it, it's supposed to affect us. And I just jotted down seven practical lessons from this story that we need to be aware of in dealing with uh, misunderstandings or possible misunderstandings. Number one, from the story we learn, restrain your desire to react impulsively and emotionally. When you hear something that doesn't sound right or may sound offensive or hurtful, a mature person will restrain their emotions. They will not act impulsively. That's what a mature person will do. Because that's the right thing to do. Because what you think may not be what was, or how you interpret something may not be at all uh, what, what you think was, was intended. So a very important lesson to learn here. When, when you hear something or you're aware of something that creates a real problem for you, first thing to do is to really don't do anything. But the second thing is pray and ask if this is an issue worth pursuing. You, know, you should pray about it. In some cases, it's no big deal. You know, regardless of how they meant it, in some cases, you, you pray about that and, you know, I don't have to do anything. It, it's not, you know, it, it doesn't bother me. We'll just, we'll, we'll just let it go. And, and sometimes that's the appropriate response. But to know if that's the appropriate response, then you pray about it. And maybe sometimes it might be that, no, you, you can't let it go. Which leads us to number three, as we see illustrated in our story. Go to the other person and express your concerns respectfully. That's what mature people do. They go to the other person Rather than fuming about it, rather than going to other people and making it a bigger problem, you go to the other person and express your concerns respectfully. And that's what Phineas and the other representatives did. They went to those two and a half tribes and they expressed their concerns. They told them what they thought was going on. Which brings us to number four. Listen graciously to the explanation. Because you know, you've had enough experiences to know that when you bring something to somebody's attention, it's not uncommon for them to say, oh, well, I am sorry. No, that is not. Oh, I'm sorry you took it that way. Or or, or, I I never intended that. I I, I think you you, you read it wrong, what I was, was saying. And so it's very important for us to listen, but to listen graciously to the explanation. And then number five... I think it's important. This is a practical one I threw in here. Ask questions for clarification. 
One of the ways to make sure that you're both on the same page is to ask questions. Say, well, the way I took it was you meant this. And that person says, no, 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 no. What I meant was this. And then you say, okay, let me, let, let me make sure. I want to make sure this is right. This is what you mean, right? And then you tell them, you ask them to pray. This is what you mean. Yes, that's what I mean. Then you can have that, oh, mom, great. So you ask questions for clarification. And then number six, you restate things to make sure you're on the right page. You say, okay, before we go, let me make sure we got it right. You know, you're going to do this, and then I'm going to do this, and we're going to do this. Yes, that's what I'm going to do. Okay, I got it right. You're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. That's, you know, just restating it, making sure, okay, we're all on the same page. You've got to be careful. Why? Because you already had a misunderstanding. So you might be overdoing it, but you, you just want to make sure there's not going to be another uh, misunderstanding. And then number seven, reassure the other party that all is well. Hey, we're good. It was a misunderstanding. We're good. Handshake appropriately. Maybe sometimes a hug. You know, we're good. Everybody's good. Yeah, we're good. And you reassure the other party that all is well. That's, that's how mature Christians resolve misunderstandings. You know, immature Christians get emotional first. They want to call somebody and chew them out. Or they get mad and they just avoid somebody and they don't go and talk to them. And things just fester and things get worse. We can't, we, as Christians, we can't let our emotions and our feelings take control. It'll mess us up every time. That's one of the reasons why it's so valuable to be here tonight. To be reminded of these very important uh, principles. Because misunderstandings can create a lot of hardship, a lot of, a lot of problems, and a lot of difficulties. And yeah, it's an Old Testament story, but it has a New Testament basis. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 15, we conclude with this. It's very clear in the New Testament. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. And that's what it should always be about. I appreciate, you know, there's some people that just thrive on drama. You all, we all know people like that. They thrive on drama. I appreciate those that go the extra mile to mend relationships. To get to the problem, to the heart of the problem and, and, and deal with it. To bring people together. Who, who wants us to have hard feelings? Who, who wants to divide us? Satan. We can't give him the victory. You have here, based on this story tonight of Joshua 22, you have here in this story a, a beautiful example of what should be done. They didn't go wildly into clashing with them with their swords drawn. You know, they went and talked. What's going on? And they found out they were reading it all wrong. Because they handled it right. We have a happy ending. And may we be the kind of congregation that our first impulse might be to get mad. You know, we, we, we got our flesh to deal with. But we pause and we think, you know what, maybe, maybe this is a misunderstanding. And oftentimes that, that is the case. Oftentimes. And you follow the seven steps we've outlined here before. And... The relationships that are important will be drawn closer together rather than wedges driven.
between them. Let's stand, please, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mile Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.